Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Asking for Myself, where I ask all the questions you're too afraid to. And honestly, just the questions I'm curious about. I'm your host, Mia Davis, the founder and CEO of Talk Taboo, a community and online magazine for sexual empowerment and mental health enrichment, and Taboo Wellness, our new marketing and content platform for therapists and other wellness professionals to level up their businesses. Taboo Wellness was actually largely built in response to today's conversation, Instagram therapy. A couple years ago, I started noticing that there were an increasing number of therapists on Instagram. I had only probably even noticed any therapist presence on Instagram due to my work with Taboo and reaching out to various sex therapists and educators through the platform. In 2019, the New York Times published an article titled, Instagram therapists are the new Instagram poets, all about how licensed mental health professionals are turning to the gram to attract potential clients, reach people where they're at, and ultimately normalize therapy and make it more accessible. Of course, as with all things social media, it's important to be mindful of the pros alongside the cons. In today's conversation, I sit down, well, virtually anyway, with Amanda White of Therapy for Women and Todd Barrett of Your Dying Nonsense to talk about their experiences building community on Instagram, sharing content that doesn't always allow for nuance, dealing with the trolls, navigating ethics, values, and accountability online, and finding a way to balance it all alongside their respective practices. We cover a lot, and as usual, I'm not the most succinct. So without further ado, let's talk Taboo. Do you both want to start by introducing yourself and kind of like who you are, what you do, and maybe a little brief intro into like the kind of specialty that you have? All right, I will go first. Um, I'm Amanda White. Um, on Instagram, you might know me as Therapy for Women. And I, no surprise, based on my handle, specialize in working with women. Um, I have a private practice in Philadelphia that's called Therapy for Women Center. And clinically, I really specialize in eating disorders and um, addiction, specifically like alcohol use and the overlap between those two. And it's an area where there is a lot of stigma. So I kind of got into Instagram to be able to break down some myths and to be able to kind of dispel some of the, the stigma around um, therapy and healing and recovery and um all of that good stuff. And um, I'm in the process of writing a book, which is very exciting, um, which will be about alcohol use. So yeah. That's really exciting. I can't wait to read it. Um, my name is Todd Barretts um, on Instagram at Your Diagnonsense. Uh, I am a sex and relationship therapist in New York City. Um, so I focus on sex and relationships. I see individuals and couples um and um yeah that's what I do um and that's me awesome so thank you both so I guess my first question is like I the reason that I asked the two of you specifically for this episode is because I want to talk about just like the rise of therapists on Instagram and using it as a platform to like you mentioned Amanda like destigmatize mental health and also to provide a lot of education I think around different topics so my question is, although I just gave somewhat of an answer for it, is why Instagram? And like, why did you choose to start um, focusing attention there? And also, like, how long have you been taking, I guess, Instagram more seriously as like a 
platform? I joined Instagram about two years ago professionally. Um, I feel like I was drawn to it because as a millennial, I was already on Instagram personally anyway. So I was pretty familiar with the platform and um, I kind of saw that I saw the shift that it was being used more. I feel like two years ago, it was more like, you know, word porn was like the, the Instagram handle that people started following with quotes and stuff like that. And um, I just really, I, I'm like kind of a, a quote junkie and I love just, I loved seeing that there was education being shared on Instagram. And I really started seeing, I feel like more and more, you know, that was more of the age of, I mean, influencers are obviously still there, but this was, I feel like mommy bloggers kind of were really the rage two years ago and bachelorette contestants who are still there and stuff started sharing about mental health stuff. And I kind of felt like, well, if they're sharing about it and people are getting mental health advice from someone who is not a professional, why couldn't a professional start sharing about it? And it was really cool to see, you know, other therapists before me who started doing that. And um, I just felt like there, I think there's so much stigma with mental health. I think there's a lot of stigma, you know, Todd talks about this on his Instagram a lot too, about what diagnoses are and what, um, you know, if you have anxiety, you have a problem. Um, So I just thought it was a really cool way to normalize things. And myself as someone who's in recovery from an addiction and an eating disorder, I felt really passionate about also destigmatizing that therapists can struggle too. And I talk about being in therapy myself. And I think that's a really important part of the conversation also. And I really love, Amanda, as we've talked about before, uh, but just to reiterate um, that you that you are that you disclose and that you do so without, you know, uh, making a big deal out of it, Um, that it's just, you know, a matter of fact of parts of your life. Um, I really like that. Um, Yeah, I I don't remember when I started Instagram, maybe like two years ago as well. I don't know. and I had never had a personal Instagram. So it was kind of just like an experiment for me. And I didn't really know, like I didn't follow people and I didn't really get social media. Um, I don't know why I, I never did. I think I was like taking a stance maybe. <laughs> or I think I was just like, didn't, I don't know. I don't whatever. Um, and so then I just kind of started it because I was bored and I wanted a creative outlet. And then I was like, oh, this is actually like kind of fun and cool and seems engaging and could be purposeful and is meaningful. And oh, wow people are responding and okay. And then it kind of like started from there. Um, But similar to what Amanda was saying, you know, I share a lot of, um, a lot of the same uh, perspectives and thoughts about stigma and um, uh, promoting emotions and disclosure, uh, therapist disclosures and stuff like that. So I think that's also a very interesting space that's come up on Instagram. With that being said, there's only so much that can be communicated in a post, right? I know, and obviously, like, with adding a caption, you can have a little more space to kind of, like, clarify and provide context. I know for you, Todd, from what I've seen on your Instagram, it's a lot of, like, sort of taking a less reductive approach to, like, different themes of psychology and mental health. It's challenging people, right? It's kind of like taking things and seeing them in a new way. So I guess, how do you think about how much can I really put in this one post? Like how much can this convey? And then also from that, like, how do you deal with sort of the responses to your post? Do you kind of post and let it be? 
or do you really like how does that affect you also personally when you feel like maybe a post didn't get communicated the way you meant it like how much thought goes into that I guess just what's the process for that I don't know the, the way that I've in the things that I post on Instagram or is kind of the way that I am in session um and just like in general um so I it's like just a reflex I I I tend to try not to be too diagnostic or um categorical in the way that I communicate especially about relationships or really complex experiences so I I don't know how I'm answering this question <laughs> I don't know um I don't know it just it feels uh I hate the word natural but um it's just like how I speak and how I engage with people in my life um in and out of session um is that I'm not very like black and white and I kind of like to look at all different perspectives um, especially ones that challenge the status quo, which is what most people come in to see ther- a therapist for, basically, is there's something going on that they've had been experiencing in their life forever, and they want to change, challenge, or alter it in some way. So, like, I'm very used to thinking about things like that um, in terms of thinking about things critically, but not kind of in this dogmatic way that's so obliterative um, and gentle and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And I'm lost in this response. I think that was a great response. I really like that response. Um, I think I think this is such a great question. I really like it because I feel like we don't get to talk about or I don't get to talk about it because no one really cares how I feel. I feel like on Instagram. <laughs> no one's like, how was that for you? Um, so anyway, um, I feel like I've changed a lot in terms of how I am on Instagram because I've learned a lot as my platform has grown. Um, I, similar to Todd, am very not black and white. I think it's a huge thing that I work with clients a lot in. I think I'm a huge proponent of kind of like the idea that psychological flexibility is one of the biggest measures of mental health, like your ability to look at things from different perspectives. Um, so I think what's really hard on Instagram is I feel like with my clients, right? I have the context of what they're dealing with. So I know which side to lean to get them to come to the middle, right? If they're really rigid on something, I am going to really pull towards like, let's soften up. Let's, you know, be more flexible in that case. And then someone who is more on the side of, um, you know, doesn't have a lot of structure, you know, is kind of like loose with things. They may need to bring a little more rigor. So I think that's the biggest challenge is, Um, And on Instagram, there is a huge, rightly so, push to include everyone and be super inclusive, which is great, but also really hard because it is impossible to include every single possible situation that someone is dealing with. And I think it's an interesting dynamic because when people follow you, especially if you share pieces of yourself, which Todd and I both do, we're not just someone who just shares content without any context, people feel like they really know you. So they feel like you know them. And I don't know them, right? Like, I mean, I know some of them a little bit, but not really, not the way I would in a session. So I think that's the biggest challenge is that um, I I want to, my goal is like to teach, I like to share both sides. I, I often, like I did a post a couple of weeks ago about like, this is what under-functioning looks like. This is what over-functioning looks like. The goal is to meet in the middle, um, right? And like, I try to highlight both spectrums to try to empower people to find that balance. But um, 
it's a hard thing to do when it's, I don't have control over what they're going through in their life. Totally. I actually had a question about that. Um, what you mentioned about like, you don't really know the people and they don't actually know you as like a real person. So I guess um, I'm assuming both of you receive, um, well, actually, I guess first I'll ask, how do you set boundaries? I know a lot of therapists put in their highlights, you know, like this is how to interact with me. These are my boundaries. I imagine a lot of people might DM both of you. I don't know if people ask questions, if they're trying to like have more conversation with you. And then also the people who like your clients, right? Like, do they follow you on Instagram? What is that like? So I guess just like boundaries in general and how people, how you want people to engage with you on Instagram and how you kind of set those, you know, restrictions. I'm interested in hearing your response, Amanda. Okay. You have a ton of followers and I, I, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have like a, a, a quarter and it's a lot and I, it's um, hard to deal I feel with. Like I, yeah. I feel like I go back and forth. I'm not someone who in my profile says like no DMs or things like that um, because sometimes people give you like sometimes DMs are really nice. Like I like it is it's really it's I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like it's really nice when people share that share positive feedback or share a type of feedback that really helps. So I do like to be someone that will take, you know, will take feedback and are open at the same time with boundaries. Yes, it is hard. Um, I mean, I'll share in my stories and I do have like a highlight about like, I can't give you personalized advice. I can't help you, you know, find a therapist, like some things like that, that I try to share. Um, I think the interesting thing is as your, as my account has grown, I think people expect me to respond a little bit less, which is nice. Um, but of course I still definitely get people who are upset, um, and things like that. And it's just kind of part of the process. I recognize, you know, I try not to take it personally. Um, and in terms of clients and stuff like that, um, I mean, part of my intake forms is they sign kind of a social media policy where they say, you can follow, like I say, you can follow me, but I'm not going to interact with you. I'm not going to like anything. I'm not going to like, you know, add you, follow at your own risk. Like, please know I can't protect your confidentiality, all that stuff. Um but I don't really ever like talk about my, like, I think it's funny. I get, I feel like the most interesting feedback from other therapists who are like afraid for me and like projecting their stuff onto me. Like they will, <laughs> they will DM me and be like, I'm really worried for you. Like oh, you're God. going to like have clients sue you or Do how really mm-hmm. lots wow. of them are very like disappointed in me. Cause I'm not professional. Oh my God. Uh, I yeah. guess they don't follow me because they would be very disappointed in me. <laughs> yeah. So they're not even going to bother. So that's like, I think the funniest thing is I'm just like, okay, well then don't be on social media. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's never a problem with clients, honestly. Um, Once in a while, they'll interact with me. Once in a while, they'll say, I wanted to talk about this that you brought up. Um, it's honestly a really great resource. I love sharing other therapists account with my clients. Like I was having a a session the other day about sex and I was like, go follow these like sex therapists. They're great. Um, so I haven't really had any trouble, but I also don't like bring it up. I'm not like, let's talk about what I posted on Instagram. (laughs) I think some therapists think that it's not about me. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like probably should have some kind of a policy with my clients, but I don't. I bring it up. Some of them I follow. Some of them I don't. Some of them I interact with on social media. Some of them I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's horrible. Um, uh, but uh, it hasn't been an issue. Um, I've had clients that follow me and like once in a while I'll post like a sexy photo of myself, um, which is rare. I mean, we're talking like maybe three times. Um and so I'll, uh, my clients, one of my clients or a couple of my clients have brought it up, which I think is really brave of them and wonderful. Um, not because I want to talk about my sexy picture, but because it, as an interpersonal thing, especially with a lot of gay men, um, it's, you know, it's a big thing. So that's been useful, I think. Um, but um, in terms of boundaries, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I, as you're saying, it's it, some of the DMs I get, um, luckily Instagram does this thing where they put them in a folder that's separate from your so I don't have to necessarily feel like I'm being bombarded. Um, but some of it's really actually like helpful feedback. Um, some of it's not. <laughs> um, and people are like, call out this post. And I'm like, I don't. Or like, did you see the latest person that's getting canceled? I'm like, I don't know. Um, uh, so, but it is, I, I'm more surprised by how helpful some of the the messages are than not. Um, the only thing, I mean, um, that gets me emotionally preoccupied and disrupts me, which I'm trying not to be, but I'm not, I'm not a robot, um, is when I post something and then people like come at me in the comments and I respond once, um, and then they respond with a question that I feel like I need to answer. (laughs) Um, and so I try to answer it. Um, and this is usually on days where I'm not working. Um, and then they'll like come back again with something passive aggressive or maybe even aggressive, um, or even rude. And then I stew on that. <laughs> so that's more of a boundary I need to have with myself. Um, because sometimes I, I post about things that aren't very simple. And I don't know if I do a great job of explaining it. And, you know, I, I don't have the time to really get into it too deeply, which is what I kind of feel a little guilty about. But at the same time, I think it's okay that I don't, I don't have to, you know, be a encyclopedia of my thoughts to everybody. So I'm working on that. Um but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't yet have a post that says, you know, these are my boundaries, which maybe I should. I mean, I probably will at some point. I don't know. I, I agree, Todd, too, with I think the comments honestly are harder than the DMs because with the DMs, I can take my time, I can compose, I can wait until I feel like I know, you know, because sometimes you get DMs and you don't know how, I don't know how I feel. <laughs> I don't know how to respond where it's a lot. I think the hardest thing is like, comments and when people are tagging people and asking a specific thing or asking you to take something down and trying to find the personal line for myself of like what is important to take down because I am not perfect at all I have messed up before I've taken down posts I've had to apologize for sure but I've also had posts that people haven't agreed with or liked and when I check in with myself I'm like no I stand behind this post and I'm going to keep it up Um, and I think it's hard when there is like, Instagram is so fast, right. Where everyone, especially if I'm seeing clients all day, I don't have time to like man my comment section. (laughs) And I think that's really hard when people put pressure on you to be like, why aren't you handling this? Why aren't you protecting people on your page from saying negative things or whatever? And it's like, I can't, like, I can't do that always, you know? So I am mindful of 
when I post certain things sometimes, like I will know which posts typically will have more of a heated response compared to others. And I will like pick my days. But I mean, like I did a TikTok, uh, I'm on TikTok too, which is hilarious because uh, TikTok doesn't let you like do a long comment. So it actually causes a lot less like drama kind of because people, you can't explain yourself. So people don't expect you to. But anyway, I did a TikTok that was like, or ended up being a reels on Instagram. And I didn't think it was a big deal um, at all. It was like kind of destigmatizing um, like drinking culture and stuff like that. Um, and uh, people got really upset at me. And I looked, I didn't look at my phone for 50 minutes and people were like freaking out saying, I can't believe you waited 50 minutes to take this down and blah, 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 blah. And it like spiraled and was super out of control. And I had like death threats for like many days afterwards. Um, so that was a lot. Um, that was probably my most recent, like, I'm going to get off of Instagram. moment. Did you take it down? I want to say <laughs> I did take it down. It was a, it was a post making fun of myself. Almost. If you didn't know that I was in recovery from sobriety, I think it could have come across as I was making fun of someone who was struggling with sobriety, but because I'm sober, it's like a joke in the sober community it was using the the Taylor Swift exile song of like, I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. And it was like saying that about like when you're, you know, when a client says that they just want to try social drinking again. But I think people really took it as I was making fun of sober people, but I'm sober. So I was like, no, I, I get the context of this. <laughs> like I'm making fun of myself, but whatever. I didn't explain that well enough and I took it down, but, um, yeah, it, you never know sometimes what will also push people's buttons. Yeah. I feel like that's really challenging, especially because you've both interwoven your own personal identities and like experiences with your content. And I guess it's probably a personal choice, obviously, as you were just describing, but once you've decided to kind of have a professional quote unquote account, as opposed to like a personal account, because I feel like with a personal account, obviously you could say something that maybe offends some people or rubs them the wrong way, but ultimately it's like you're sharing your own opinions. And obviously the internet is the internet. So even if it was a personal blog that you intended for no one to see, people would could rip you apart. Um, but I guess like once you've decided I'm, making this like a professional page, I guess one, do you kind of like have a distinction? Does it feel almost like a persona, like your Instagram um, life and like world and what you post? And then also with that, like what responsibility do you think therapists who have decided to create these accounts have to being responsive to feedback and engaging with people who might've been rubbed the wrong way, or if they do actually do something that is offensive or harmful i like well like i said i never had a personal one um and so i consider this my personal one which people are like this isn't your personal page i'm like but it is this they're like no this is your brand i'm like i don't have a brand this is my personal page I'm like no this is your brand i'm like no i i, I don't know what it is um i am i don't I, of course, do not talk about myself in session unless, like, I've been seeing somebody for a long time and I've gone through something exactly the same, blah, blah, blah. And for, like, a hot second, I'll be like, because I get there, I've been, whatever. Um, but on my Instagram, I go into it um, to very personal things. And so, um, I don't, I'm sorry. 
It's been a long day. What, what was the original question? It's a good, uh, it was a two part, three part question. So <laughs> that's on me. Um, basically one, I guess like, and you're saying you see it as a personal expression page, like it's for you. And then I guess two with that, like what is, what responsibility do you feel to like almost create a page that responds to the people following you versus like creating a page and content that's more so for you and like your thoughts and how you want to create content. Got it. I don't know. Um, I think it's a very interesting question. I really don't know. I tend to have this very reaction. Uh, people can't see what I'm doing. Uh, knee, jerk, knee jerk reaction. Uh, I, I don't have, a, it's not a positive. Re- <laughs> what am I trying to say? He's, um, he's moving his hands for context. <laughs> I, I <sit> back. <laughs> It's been such a long day. I've seen I had so many clients today. Um, I have a reaction. I don't I'm not the therapist that's like, I'm going to pretend like I don't have a life. Um, I don't I can't enjoy what I do if I because so much of what I do as a therapist comes from a personal place. That's not to say that I'm like replicating what I get from my therapist in session, but like the things I've been through in my personal life, the emotions, those experiences are exactly what I use to connect with my clients who are experiencing the same emotion. The content is different, but emotionally, the way I relate to them and understand them is through my own pain. Um, Kind of like, I don't know, an actor that connects to their own personal pain to feel. So it's kind of like that. Um, And so I can't act any other way. So like on Instagram, I I think it's just important then therefore for me to be myself and to share some of that because that's very much central to my work. Again, that's not to say that I talk about myself or my mom or my dad, like when my client is talking about their mother. But um, when it comes to like my online presence, I will. Um, and I don't, I honestly, I don't know. Like, and I, I, you know, I think the only thing we do have there as therapists is like all of this education about how to keep private, how not to disclose and that we shouldn't and all this moralizing about how to be, be an outwardly facing public person to our clients or to whoever in the world. But I don't think that we have any examples, uh, really. I don't know any therapist that I can look to to say, well, they did that. And so maybe it's okay if I share about the, you know, the abuse I experienced. Or, you know, they did that and maybe it's okay if I, whatever. Um, So I don't don't really know. I mean, obviously, I don't think I'm going to go and I I probably won't cry on social media. I mean, there are things that I'm not going to share. Um, because I don't think that's necessary. You know, I cry with my therapist barely. Uh, and I've been seeing him for years. He's like, you know, you haven't cried that much. I'm like, what? Um, but so, you know, obviously I have boundaries with the things that I share on social media, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Amanda? What, like, what is a therapist's responsibility in terms of setting an example? Like, I'm not going to get wasted <laughs> or like do things like that. I don't drink that much anyway. I don't know. Like, I'm like, I would act wild and crazy. Whatever the fuck that means. Um, what do you think, Amanda? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think it's it's definitely a challenging question too because I don't think there's a right yeah, answer. No. I mean, I think that if you are someone who says you are a therapist, says you are a licensed therapist, says you, you know, you give it uh, we don't give advice but you share knowledge I think you have a reason I think there should be some type of reasonable expectation that you someone asks you where you learned this you can like cite sources and you're like sharing like true information and you're not like spreading falsehood I think that's really really important um in terms of 
I think like that to me is just like an ethical line, like personally. And it's something where if I say something and someone asks me for a source or they say, Hey, did you check out this or whatever? I think there's like a reasonable, I make a reasonable um, effort to make sure that I'm sharing up to date new information and things that are, you know, that I would share with clients and stuff like that. Um, I think I think also when it comes to like racial justice issues and things like that, um, that's something that I also believe as a therapist. I mean, I got a lot of flack this year for just like being open and clear about just like my feelings about, you know, in support of like Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. And I think as a therapist, it's really, really hard to see trauma happening and not call that out as a trauma like that's happening or like not say that like, you know, racism is trauma because it is. Um, and I think that while I don't think therapists have to call it out necessarily, um, I think that if you are someone who say, I think it all comes down to what you're saying and what you're backing up. And to me, like, if you really don't want to be involved in that at all, you don't have to, but don't say then that you are in support of something and then not back it up. So that's my whole thing is I tend to be very like, I hold myself to a high standard on that, but that's because I am clear when people come to my account that like this account, I am declaring safe for people of color, people with disabilities, you know, blah, 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 blah. Other people can have more niche accounts that are like just for, you know, I don't know, farmers or whatever they're, you know, like, the, I don't know, therapy for architects. I don't know. There's like weird, really therapy for moms, right? Like they're not going to be talking about necessarily the same things that someone else says. So I think it's a big matter of just what you say and how you back that up. Um, and if you say I'm for this, and then someone says, Hey, well, you know, actually what you said doesn't work for me. Like it was, you know, I see this as like problematic for this and this reason. That's where I'm really happy for the feedback. I mean, it doesn't not sting sometimes, but um, that's where I think feedback is really helpful. Cause I'm like, yeah, thank you for sharing that perception, like perspective. That's, I wouldn't know that not as without that perception. Francis from Awkward Essentials here. Just wanted to introduce to you Dripstick, a super soft medical grade sponge that absorbs all that excess fluid and stickiness after sex. Ladies, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was something that was really a personal problem. Couldn't stand it and couldn't find a solution. So decided to invent one. How does it work? Grab the handle, insert, twirl it around a little bit, take it out and you're good to go. Want to get your hands on Dripstick? Head to awkwardessentials.com and place your order today. You can even get a sample pack for just $4. Awkward Essentials, personal solutions for hella personal problems. And now, back to our show. So obviously, Amanda, you are like therapy for women and Todd, you deal a lot with like sex and relationships. So I guess with that, how do you think about inclusion from a gender perspective, especially with like evolving um, definitions and understanding of gender? Like, um, I guess, especially for Amanda, I would imagine that that has come up a lot. So how do you both um, sort of tackle inclusion and thinking about that? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's so interesting because when I started my account two years ago, like um, I wasn't super aware of kind of like, you know, uh, I mean, to me, it was like clear, obviously I've worked with trans people before and trans women and stuff like that. So I thought it was like obvious that like that was included in women, um, which it's, you know, if someone doesn't know you also, I understand being a lot more sensitive to that. I do have on my, um, like in my bio, like not only for women, um, because I have, there are people that reach out and say, what about this? What about that? I also have men that reach out that say like, am I allowed to follow your account? And I'm like, yeah. Um, so I really try to frame it as I just like specialize in working with women. Um, my practice also, again, specializes in working with women, but we kind of say that we're like a feminine space and anyone, regardless of gender, or how they identify is completely welcome. Um, if they want like a feminine space. So that's kind of, unfortunately it is like so far down in terms of like LLCs and stuff like that. I like can't change the name of my handle. I can't like change the name of my business very easily. Um, so I just try to be very clear that I'm not just like only for like women and that I'm actually, I really believe in inclusion and especially uh, all genders and gender identifying people. Yeah, I mean, same. And kind of similar to what you were just saying, Amanda, and I kind of went the other direction with the other question, but totally agree in terms of, um, you know, that it is, I, I do think that as every therapist or coach or any sort of care provider's responsibility, if they're going to have a public anything, um, that they should be inclusive and that they should address at some point cultural issues like sexism and racism and gender and everything. Um, I do think that there's a responsibility to do that. Um, and um, I do, I try to do that as often as I can. Um, and I try to mention cultural issues, at least in, in every other, or every post, um, just to make it really clear. Because, yeah, similar to what you were saying, you know, as therapists, you know, the we operate under the assumption that we are affirming and inclusive, but people don't know that unless you're enthusiastically saying that it's kind of like consent, but different. Um, you know, we, we have to really be communicative and clear where we stand or it's very easy for people to assume otherwise, but nonetheless, you know, I don't see anything wrong with communicating some things that I think are very necessary to communicate anyway. So I, I just try to be really clear about that and mention, you know, all of the different isms as much as I possibly can, because I'm not sure that you know, most, especially with therapists and psychology is that psychology kind of um, puts that stuff on one side and then focuses specifically on the individual and the behavior and all that stuff at the expense of all of this other cultural stuff. So I try to really like highlight, emphasize and bold and underline and italicize um, that part of, I think, everybody's lived experience at varying levels um, from race and gender uh, uh, to socioeconomic status and everything. So I guess when it comes to, I guess I'm thinking about like race specifically and how that's come up a lot this year. And obviously when people are looking for a therapist, a lot of people like, let's say you're in the black community, you're a black person, you might be looking for a black therapist, but ultimately you might not find one that is in your area or uh, takes your insurance or any number of reasons. So as therapists think about like how to, like Tadi just mentioned, kind of being vocal about your beliefs and um, you know what you stand for. But I guess on the other side of things, like how as, I guess, especially like a white therapist, do you go about educating yourself and sort of like giving yourself the tools to be that affirming provider? Yeah, I think this is a really great question. Um, I think that, I mean, from just personally, I think, 
I think number one, thank God for Instagram. I've learned so much from Instagram, not just like from posts, but like really from connecting to different people. Um, and something that I'm, I've, I've taken some racism trainings. I'm in the process of doing one for like my whole organization, um, which we're really excited about. Cause I think it does come back to your word and what you say you stand for. So it's like part of therapy for women center is we stand and we're very clear that one of our values is like anti-racism. And part of that commitment is that every therapist who works for us goes through like anti-racism training and we'll continue to be up on that. What's also really interesting and like same to all that in terms of the trainings and, you know, uh, I've been reading more books on race this year than I have before. And it, when everything kind of went down earlier this year, you know, I, I have a very diverse um, client base and life, but, uh, you know, I, I don't want to use the word ashamed, but I was embarrassed. Maybe I was shamed that I, I hadn't put enough effort um, into more exploration on on race um, and so this year was a really big deal for me personally and professionally to one, realize that. Um, and even in that realization, it's such a privileged one. Um, uh, but then also to kind of take a step back, pause, reflect, and like relearn some things um, and approach um, myself, my clients, the world differently. Um, you know, and the other thing too is like, which I talk about a lot in terms of sex, but it's true of racism and a lot of other cultural issues is that in, when I went to school, even in undergrad, which I loved, I didn't really like grad, but there is no mention really of any cult, like of racism as a therapist, our training, we, I don't know about you, Amanda, but we didn't talk about racism. We talked about homophobia, transphobia, sexism. I was lucky that I had a, a black professor who was, who did teach our multiculturalism class and did do a good job, but it was two classes. But it's right. one class. We have one class on multiculturalism. It's crazy. You know, and, and sex, you know, we don't talk about sex. We don't talk about gender. Um, maybe, I mean, I went to school, this was 10 years ago. So I'm hoping now that people, that, that schools have a, a curriculum that's catered more towards some of these cultural issues um, and, and about racism and helping clinicians really um, not have to come to these conclusions on their own um, from the uh, white supremacist systems that they participated in and internalized themselves. Um, and it's, it's just, it's ongoing. Uh, it really is. I think everyone, obviously with 2020 being what it was and with a lot of conversations coming to light around Black Lives Matter and police brutality, I think a lot of people kind of like quickly rushed to the internet or to Instagram or bought these books and tried to educate themselves in like a one month span of time, because like you're saying, I don't think our school systems really set us up with the information or the history we're learning isn't even necessarily like accurate, um, obviously based on like who's teaching the information, who's writing the information. So I guess with that being said, I think it's okay to give people like the grace that none of us had this sort of uh, foundational knowledge or even learning to talk about these conversations, how to ask questions about these topics. But I guess, um, what would your advice be not only to other therapists or professionals, but also just the average person around like, like Todd, you mentioned kind of feeling embarrassed or shame, ashamed of not having, you know, having put that effort in before. But I feel like for me with Taboo, I started a lot similar to what you're both saying with focusing on like problems I've had in the past or experiences that I've gone through and trying to focus on that content and totally 
there's so many different identities that I have no idea. I've, it's not my lived experience, but I've done a lot to try to learn. Um, but like, I guess what, what advice would you give for people who are just like, I don't know about that. And I'm sure a lot of, um, especially people with professional accounts have received feedback on like, oh, this post isn't very inclusive or have you considered this X, Y, Z. So like, yeah, I guess like, what do you, what advice would you give to people on how to kind of educate yourself and also stay open-minded and take that feedback with not being too hard on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think it's a lesson for kind of, like you said, Mia, like everyone and all of us and stuff is like, I think if we can look at it from a systems perspective of, you know, we don't learn history accurately. There isn't systems in place that that work that, you know, the, the system of white supremacy is designed for us not to see it. And if you can give, if you can understand that, I think it can be a little bit easier to uh, give yourself some grace, like you were talking about, um, to like learn and stuff like that, that you're not a bad person necessarily. I think the shaming, I think I'm so passionate about talking about how shaming yourself does not cause change in any capacity. Um, so I, I think therapists can put a lot of pressure on themselves to be perfect, especially a therapist who really, really like leans into the title of an expert. I think Todd and I are a little bit different in that we do share ourselves and share our flaws. So it's a little bit, I think it's a little easier for me because of my approach to be able to be like, I mean, I literally like made a post like when I messed up something in July, that was like literally a post that was like, I will fuck up. I will take accountability when I do like, and I'm not perfect. And, but I will take accountability and make it right. And like, that's my promise. Um, and I think that's all we can do. All we can do is like, listen, take feedback, integrate it, learn and do better because this is all like, we're all learning and unlearning, I think too. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I would say with, I mean, it's like any other issue that you don't know something about. Um, if, we, you know, if you've never learned, I mean, this is kind of also what I talk about relationships, obviously very different, but I think people often start to label relationships as healthy or unhealthy, but I don't know if we can, because I don't think anybody's learned what a healthy relationship is. So everyone's going to participate in relationships that are probably categorically unhealthy. Um, but uh, when it comes to race, you know, I think it's just like learning anything. Um, and it, it doesn't stop. It's not like, you know, do this one month thing during protests. And then, you know, you check some boxes and read some books. And, you know, it's just it's ongoing, just like learning who we are and self-discovery. It's, you know, it's really a part of everybody's lives. Um, uh, yeah. And it's just it's ongoing. I think one of the cool things, too, though, being on it, like, I, right, I'm in this process right now of writing a book. And I'm like, thank God that I've been on Instagram for the past two years, because I think about how much authors used to write books without like feedback of like their style or what their thoughts were or things like that. And it's actually been this really cool process because I feel like now as I'm writing my book, like I have deeper understandings of things. I understand where some of the language that I used previously wouldn't be inclusive. Um, and I've had that direct feedback, which is I think one really positive thing about Instagram or social media. No, totally. And thank you both for answering that. Did you know masturbation actually has a variety of mental health benefits? Pleasure triggers the release of hormones in the brain associated with happiness, emotional regulation, stress management, and a more positive mood. That is, of course, when you're not overcome with guilt and shame. Masturbation can also help you sleep, 
boost self-esteem, and can even help reduce stress and anxiety. Who wouldn't want that? We've partnered with Honey Playbox to help you find the right toy for your pleasure pursuits. Check this out. Hello there, Eva Bloom here with Honey Playbox. We're a pleasure products company run by a group of sex educators, queer meme queens, and toy connoisseurs passionate about bringing inclusive values to the adult industry. We believe that exploration and education are necessary for positive experience of sexuality and that prioritizing pleasure starts with versatile toys. We also have our very own sex toy fairy. That's me! I'm here to make your sex toy dreams come true. I listen to your wants, needs, and desires and use a little bit of magic to pick out a toy that's everything you'd ever hoped for. We asked Talk Taboo fans to write in for a personalized sex toy recommendation. So let's get into it. Today, we're picking out a toy for N, who let us know that they're looking for a clitoral stimulation toy for solo use. N says hygiene and safety is important to them, and that they prefer to stick with sensations they are familiar with, like vibrations. So hey N, based on what you let us know, it sounds like you might be the perfect fit for Honey Playbox's Radiant. It's a flexible U-shaped vibrator that can be used externally or as a rabbit vibrator that will stimulate your clit and internally simultaneously if you want to experiment with that as well. The size is a little bit smaller so it's perfect for someone who's new to internal toys. Body safe materials are so important when choosing a sex toy and our Radiant is made from body safe silicone. It's also rechargeable, so you don't need to worry about batteries and waterproof for bath or shower time fun. Thanks, Anne. Here at Honey Playbox, we've got unique and affordable toys made from body-safe materials, and our team is always available to help you find the perfect toy for you. Check us out at honeyplaybox.com, and right now you can get 25% off your purchase with a coupon code TALKTABOO. T-A-L-K-T-A-B-U. You'll also get a water-based lubricant or toy cleaner as well as a free gift included with your order. Honey Playbox, where sexual wellness meets play. Obviously, there's a ton of therapists on Instagram. Now there's um, also, I think, a ton of coaches on Instagram and then different definitions of like what coaching is, what, um, I don't know. I think, I guess my question is like, how do you maybe or do you have any advice around like how people can navigate who they're following and understanding what credentials that person has and obviously even if someone is a licensed therapist it doesn't mean that they're you know I don't know I guess everyone's content should be taken with a grain of salt but like how do you think about sort of like because there's so many and because so many people are now getting on Instagram and like kind of claiming these professional titles what are you really trying to say (laughs) I guess for me it's been a learning curve to even understand like in the mental health field and sexuality um space there's no like governing body really and then just because of that doesn't mean anything either like some people claim to be a sex educator but don't necessarily have certification and that's totally fine in many cases many people who aren't certified have way more experience and training so I guess for me it's been like how do I identify even who I think is like quote-unquote legit and does it even matter if you're legit if your content resonates with someone and they learn from it um but I guess just like how do you think about that because for me it's been sort of I'm not on the professional side of things so I guess as a professional how does that how do you think about it end of question (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I think it's a bit of a mind fuck because it's so easy to say, well, you know, someone's not licensed, but like, there's a lot of licensed therapists that I'm like, what the fuck is this? What is it? What are they saying here? Do they know that they're saying what they're saying? Um, so like, uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's like one kind of criteria or certificate or whatever degree that I, I, I think we can say, well, if they have that. Um, it's also like super subjective. Like there's so much content out there that like, I have such a horrible reaction to like viscerally. And I'm like, this is not good. This is uh, not like just, I don't like it, but like, this is problematic and harmful. And, you know, thousands of people are like, yes, yes, yes. So, um, you know, I, I think it's so subjective and biased. Um, and you know, so I think it's just an individual thing. Um, I, I, in terms of who I follow, um, I really, if they're not talking about cultural issues, I don't, I don't like it. Um, you know, if it's pure, like reparenting and only inner child stuff, unless I've had an interaction with a therapist or coach, I probably won't be engaging with the content. Um, if they're not talking about sexism, racism, sexuality in some way, gender in some, you know, I just don't find it entertaining because that's really kind of what the, I mean, it's, it's marketing stuff and it's what is appealing. So like, I don't, find that appealing or attractive. Um, so I don't do that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a personal subjective experience, um, that has to guide what feels right. So for me, what feels right is some kind of cultural element, some kind of political element, a psychological element, um, and some humanness, um, and like a fun kind of quirk. <laughs> um, and then I, and then I'm into it. Um, but then the kind of very bland and, um, black and white, I mean, everything that I know that if you, you guys follow me or anybody follows me that I don't like, then I'm, I don't run into that. But again, I, you know, I think it's just who you have to follow what you like. There's really no way to know, um, unless you directly ask somebody, you know, what's your training, what's your experience, where does this knowledge come from? Um, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think it's kind of like reading different books, you know, like there isn't a governing body that also decides and nor necessarily should there be that like whose book gets published. And obviously, you know, there's a huge problem with so many white people's books get published and not enough people of color's books get published. So that's not exactly what I'm talking about, but I mean more kind of in the sense of some people love certain motivational books and self-help books that I do not resonate with at all. And I think it's really hard and subjective because it also there are certain things that I used to like that I like don't resonate with anymore. Um, so, but my kind of standard, I think recommendation is if the account or person running the account is able to like acknowledge inconsistencies, like if they are just like, everything's perfect. This is one way, this is it. There's no other way. Um, to me, that is like the biggest red flag if they don't understand that there are spectrums if they don't understand that there are shades of gray um if they aren't willing to like acknowledge their own biases or um you know perceptions and how that shapes things that's like my big thing it's like I actually like when someone on Instagram like an account or whatever acknowledges when they mess up and they like are like take full responsibility, I trust them like 10 times more. Cause I'm like, okay, I now know that you're kind of like standing behind what you're saying and you'll take feedback um, compared to kind of the accounts that are more generic or just only talk about, you know, 
one type of thing, I'm not as personally drawn to those. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I do think, though, that it, it wouldn't be unhelpful for there to be some kind of, I don't know, license, validation, verification, I don't know. Yeah, I think that I don't would think be, that would be terrible. Like, just so you can't like, lie <laughs> about what you've done or whatever. Yeah, like some kind of something. I don't know. Maybe a green dot? Yeah. <laughs> a new kind of check mark. I just feel like the other struggle with that is that people don't even know what certain things mean, right? Like, you yeah. don't know if you, you could. So many weird degrees in therapy. There's I know. I didn't even know when I was applying to the programs. I was like, LCS, LMFGM, I'll do that one. Sure. <laughs> Totally. I feel, yeah, I feel like for me in sort of like entering this space as a, I guess, consumer um, or a, whatever the opposite of the professional is. Um, yeah. It's like, what does this title mean? What does this like? And even if you do a training, like are people really doing 20 levels of research to know like yeah. who, who led this training, who created this training? And it's not training relevant right. too, you know? Like I know tons of PhDs and stuff though who are like very out of touch with what's going on. And I think another important point too is I think people can get very caught up in someone who's a good Instagram account. They have a, a large number of followers. And just because you're good at Instagram doesn't mean you're a good therapist either. Like- being, I get, like being a therapist to me, at least on my account, is like very different. It's a very different skill set than being with people. Like learning how to do graphics and oh. you know distill complex ideas and make things simple, make complex things seem simple is very very different than being with people. Yeah, I guess along those same lines is kind of what I. I guess the whole uh, theme of this is around like how, you know, therapy and Instagram are not the same. And obviously the nuances of like being on Instagram. And I'm so curious about just your personal experiences running Instagram accounts. But I guess that segues nicely into this big question of like how, especially because there is so much content on Instagram now and people, it's been made way more accessible for people to access information about mental health. Um, for people who are sort of, taking that content and using it to self-improve you know, improve their communication skills. Um, and they're really sitting with this content. That's awesome. But like, what do you, how do you like, I wonder if there will be people who, or if there are people who feel like, well, I get all this content, I've read all this stuff, so I don't really need to go to therapy and not that everybody needs to go to therapy, but like, what do you, how do you see like Instagram versus actually like going to see a therapist and doing that, you know, consistent um, person to person work? And like, how do you advise people to kind of like use Instagram? Um, and then how, yeah, like how can people think about that as they decide whether or not they're going to go to therapy, as they look for therapists, as they sort of like consume the content even? I mean, it, well, so Instagram isn't therapy. It's therapeutic. Um, just like, you know, massage would be if we have a sore shoulder, um, and it might help. Like when I go to get them everything, I'm, cause I sit like this, it is a, I have horrible posture is what I'm saying. And, um, so my body hurts. Um, and so when I get a massage, it feels better. And then an hour or two later, it hurts again. Um, and so 
you know, maybe if I spent the next day stretching and, you know, then then the next day with heating, you know, and I was really kind of continuing where the massage left off, you know, maybe that could have an impact. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this analogy, but what I'm trying to say is that, um, yeah, so Instagram is not therapy. (laughs) No, clearly therapy. (laughs) Because mine is, I'm like horizontal, um, (laughs) not in a good way. Um, but, uh, you you know, I think you can get a lot from it, but it's just, it's definitely different because, uh, you know, therapy, um, is super relational and I'm under, I think that, and I think most therapists do is that it's the context of the relationship that helps you explore, experiment, um, and, uh, uh, become more confident in your self-esteem and self-worth. Um, and that's not an interaction that you can get with an Instagram post. Um, so it's not a dynamic um, it's purely informational. Um, and so insights beyond helpful. And sometimes a single piece of information can really be life-changing, but more often than not, you know, it only gets you so far. And so it's only until you start really practicing and reflecting and processing and thinking harder and then experimenting and then coming back and saying, look what I did. This happened and I didn't want to go further. And then you experiment again. So, you know, it's this ongoing behavioral stuff um, that Instagram doesn't really offer. Um, and it's the same thing when it comes to therapy. If you're just having therapy and you're just talking about um, things without kind of giving clients action plans or kind of real strategies to do things differently, then nothing will change. So, you know, the, the, the that's kind of the huge component that's missing from Instagram is that it's insight only. Um, and it's happening in kind of a vacuum, which is our mind. So it's not really going anywhere. And so then it's, it's very easy to forget, to misapply, to misinternalize, um, and so it's also missing context, blah, blah, blah. So there's so many different distinctions. I do think that the, the Instagram content is therapeutic and has such value, but, you know, I don't think it, it, it doesn't offer the same behavioral there uh, or relational component that therapist uh, or coach or some kind of peer support could offer. Yeah, totally. I think of therapy on it, or I think of therapy as very different from Instagram too, because Instagram, like Todd said, it's providing education. It's like, and there may be a piece of right therapy where we provide some psychoeducation, we explain something, but the real magic of therapy happens in that relationship, in the fact that the therapist understands you, knows you, knows your habits, knows your patterns, knows how you react to certain things. So that I think the most effective way to utilize Instagram is to utilize it as you you think about this, you come up with your version of how this might or may not apply to you and you like run it by your, you know, you have a conversation with your therapist about it. You say like, I saw this, I think I'm an overfunctioner. Like, can we talk about this? And, you know, you spend a session going over it and you explore it and maybe your therapist says, no, I think, you know, based on your patterns, maybe it's this and you explore that. Um, in the same way that if you, you know, read a book and you told your therapist about the book you read, it's it's awesome. It can provide so much valuable insight. Um, but we, like Todd said, like our mind, you know, we tend to be very biased again and not see things clearly always as our brains like to do. Um, so the real value of, of therapy is it's like a mirror and it's someone who can help you see things more clearly, more objectively knows you, can support you in changing um, and help you apply education that you've learned in a way that will help you meet the goals that you want to meet. Awesome. Thank you both. Okay. So my last question, I could ask, I have so many, just a million. So I'm going to cap it at this one, but, um, and thank you both so much. 
So my last question is, it's a bit of a loaded question. Um, in what ways is creating content for Instagram therapeutic for you? And then on the other side of things, how have you found, like, obviously a lot of people deal with like doom scrolling and just like fatigue from, I know for me, like managing our Instagram account, it can feel like there's pressure to like, if a post doesn't perform, whatever that means as you wanted it to, um, how have you sort of navigated the downsides and the mental health challenges that come with posting on Instagram um, alongside sort of the benefits and maybe some level of therapeutic value for you personally? Um, well, I mean, like everything, I think it, you know, it has its strengths and limitations. Um, there's parts of Instagram that's actually very therapeutic for me um, and social. And I've met, you know, great people like the two of you. And that feels really nice. And um, it feels really cool to have this kind of community. Um, because when I first started practicing a while ago, I was like, how am I going to find people that agree with me? Um, you know, and I felt so siloed, um, you know, and even in big cities, it's, it's hard to connect. But so with Instagram, it's like kind of awesome to really feel like there's a therapeutic community that I'm a part of. Um, and that it, it, because there's also this other side of therapists where we have these conferences and you go to these conferences and it's so political and hierarchical and it's a little obnoxious that I hate. And so I don't go, I've been to a few and I hate them. And so it's really nice to instead have this like more socially based and less kind of um, political. I mean, it is political, but it's not like, what's it? it's, it's a different kind of vibe. Um, it feels friendly. Um, and so that feels really nice. Um, also like some of the content that I write and that I post, it's kind of a way for me to formulate things about sometimes that I've dealt with recently um, or an outlet for me to talk about things that I see ongoing um, in my practice work. Um, so that feels nice. Um, what I didn't expect was kind of the anxiety that's come up for me recently is that it's become kind of a, I mean, at the end of the day, let's face it, um, you know, if you have a certain amount of followers, it becomes in integral to your business model. Um, and it's something that therapists don't talk about because it's not why I do what I do. I mean, obviously I want to make money, but like I'm a therapist because I really like connecting with people. And I happen to charge them for the connection, but like the real kind of nourishment I get is the connection. But so starting Instagram, again, it wasn't my intent wasn't to like do anything really with it, but now it's become such a big part of like my business model and like the things that I look forward to non-financially, like connecting with people, it's become a big part of who I am, which feels like, I don't want to say that out loud, but I just did. Um, and so that's the thing that kind of gives me a little anxiety, like, especially with all this shit about sex educators getting their accounts deleted. I'm like, oh my God, like, what, what would I do? <laughs> um, so it's given me a sense of purpose, um, which I really like, and I want to hold on to, and I'm like, please no one take this away from me. Um, and so that's the only thing that I'm kind of, I'm dealing with now. I'm like, okay, I don't want to please don't delete my account, Instagram. <laughs> um, and it's also, you know, kind of tied to finances and business um, and stuff like that. So um, that's the only thing in terms of my own mental health, um, the, the, the role that Instagram has played in my life is that it's become to play a big part of it in a variety of different ways. Um, I don't even know if I'm answering what you asked, but um, totally. that's what, that's where my mind goes. Thank you. Yeah. I I echo a lot of what, what you think, Todd. Um, I mean, I think it was, I, I had a very, so I started my private practice about four years ago. Um, and I am really introverted 
actually like in real life. Um, I can like do video calls. I can chat with people via text. I'm like a big texter, but like when it comes to like people in person, not therapy because that's different to me, but I like get very drained. Um, so I hate conferences. I hate small talk. I, I, I mean, like, I love this cause this is like right. deep. We're talking about real stuff, but like, I have such a low tolerance for like fake pleasantries. Like hotel um, conference so hall. I was also super so I really created my business to be like I'm not interacting with any other therapist I am like directly going to market to to clients and that was part of why I started Instagram too because I was just like I don't want to be dependent on some referral source liking me I would rather put in I would rather spend more time investing in a website and doing social media writing writing blog posts um So that's been really great because I also have felt like I hated therapists until I joined Instagram. I like didn't like other therapists. I didn't connect with them. Um, But then, but it's really cool to be able to like scroll and be like, oh, I like you because I know what you're about. You know, you can't like, I mean, you can be fake on Instagram, but um, (laughs) at least when you're posting about what you believe in as a therapist, I like have an understanding a bit of where the person is coming from. And I think it's really cool also to be able to like, I feel really a lot more comfortable giving referrals mm-hmm. when I like know someone's Instagram. Cause then I can like kind of back up what they're, I don't trust a referral from, I would rather give a referral from someone I know on Instagram than someone I know in real life, because I may not know them. Like I may just know them from like a coffee and we're not like talking about like, what are your like actual, you know, you know, beliefs. So, um, that's been really cool and amazing. And I, it also gives me purpose. I like actually really love creating like graphics. I feel like it's like creative and I like messing around with fonts and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, and it does feel really good to be authentic. And I kind of do everything based on like, I wish this was available when I was in recovery. Like it's why I started my practice. It's why I was authentic about sharing on social media. Cause when I was trying to get sober, I was like, I'm going to be a loser and have no friends and my life will be over. And I wanted someone to look up to. So, um, that feels like taking care of my younger self kind of in a way. Um, the downsides. Yes. I'm glad you talked about that, Todd. I don't ever say that out loud, but that's a hundred percent true. Like my husband lost his job in the pandemic. So I am like the sole provider of our household now. And it does like, there is a lot of pressure when Instagram is like directly integrated into your business model of if I'm not posting for like a week, like leads like go down and I hate calling it leads, but like, that is the reality when you own your own business, like inquiries go down. Um, so that's like a weird place to be in and something I'm navigating. Um, but I'm also really proud of what I've built and, and, um, the amount of work that I've put into it. Um, I think the most anxiety I get is like, I, if something like bad is happening or like I'm in a, where people are commenting, it's really like, I I think people can handle anxiety two ways, right. By like shutting off and shutting down. And people tell me like, Oh, just like log off. You know, my husband's just like, just delete that for a day or whatever. But if there's like something going on, like I get hypervigilant and I like compulsively check and want to make sure that like, if there's something going on, I can like fix it. Um, so that's draining, uh, for sure. But kind of, like I said earlier, I also try to like pick 
topics that I also know and pick lighter topics and less topics, depending on how much time I have to manage all of that. Awesome. Thank you both for being so candid. Okay. Also, I'm going to have to edit this because I, I can go on for literal days, but I did lie. Can I ask one last total little yeah. question? Okay. So what you were saying made me think of this. Um, for anyone who's like, uh, anyone, I guess, in general, that's creating Instagram content, do you have like a quick tip? Maybe it's like Canva or something like that for people who feel, because both of you, I feel like have, um, not only like create great content, but also you obviously have like an aesthetic and like, like you said, Amanda, like you enjoy the fonts and obviously Todd, you have a very like color blocked. Um, all my clothes are black. Like, what's all up? My, I have no color black. in my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like white and cream are chic, but anyway, sorry. Um, so I get, and, and obviously Amanda, I think you said earlier, or no, either one of you, you both have said many similar things um, about how people can have like a large following and great, like great looking content, but that doesn't necessarily mean the content itself is awesome. Um, so I guess any quick tips for people who maybe have awesome content, awesome things to say, but they have no idea how to create any type of visual for Instagram. And do you think it's necessary to have an aesthetically pleasing feed? I mean, I feel like until recently, I mean, someone could tell you something else, but I don't feel like my, until like very recently, like, I don't know, like June or something like that. Like my content was a lot simpler and was just kind of like more black and white and green. And like, that was my aesthetic. Um, so I don't think you have to, I think the biggest, my biggest tip is just like be yourself. I think people want to connect with you. Obviously don't make the content all about yourself. Really quick, funny story. My brother who's like 25 and like thinks he's going to be, I don't know, like an entrepreneur and stuff like messaged me the other day and was like, do you have any Instagram tips for me? How do I get lots of followers on my personal account? And I was like, why would someone follow you? And he couldn't answer the question. So I think that's a really good thing to answer. Like you need to like be providing content for people that's helpful for them because otherwise, why would they follow you? Um, but if you are doing that, I think also show your personality and, and be yourself. Cause I think people want to follow a real person too. Yeah, I agree. You know, be yourself, but also, I mean, I, when I started Instagram, I started just because I wanted, I really like art and I wanted to share art and I wanted to share what it made me think of, um, emotionally and in session. And that didn't work. Um, it was really like, I thought good art and whatever, I also had a nonprofit that was like kind of the similar thing and that didn't really work either. Um, and then so, so I started looking at other people's Instagram and like th they weren't aesthetically pleasing, but they were really popular because of what they were basically marketing. And that's kind of what it is. You just kind of have to figure out how to market your ideas. Um, I don't think the aesthetic matters. It matters to me just because I like am a little neurotic about the way things if it looks organized. But I, I think the reality is, is no one's actually looking at your feed. <laughs> look at your singular yeah post. i know i spend way more time looking yeah. at my own feet they're the <laughs> only ones that care i think i don't think people actually care if all my posts are pink one day one week and you know orange another um but i like to have some order and it's fun for me to um to do that but no i don't i don't think it matters i think it's just you have to kind of figure out what's like how to market your ideas in a way that catches people's attention there are times i spend like a ton of time on a post and i think it's great but you know People are like, what is this shit? Um, I'm like, 
you know, so it is kind of like a bit of a Rubik's cube in terms of figuring out what people tend to gravitate towards and then formulating your ideas in a very short way um, to, to cater yeah. to that. And I think that's the hardest thing. Yeah. The simplest posts yeah. often do the best. Yeah. And I'm like not, I'm like an overwriter. I'm an over like talker. I'm like an over explainer. Yeah. So that has been a challenge for me is a lot of times the a lot. I always joke. It's always like the posts that I'm just like so lazy, just like throwing yeah. together last minute that like randomly like do really well. I'm like, this is so right. obvious to like, me, but like, it's not always yes, obvious it to other people. That's right. Oh, another tip I have is what I use, what I do that also helps is sometimes I say things in session that I think are like actually are really smart and I will write yeah, them same. down like after session. And then I will create that as a, cause people used to quote themselves and I used to be like, how are you saying these things? And now I'm like, oh, just pay attention to what I'm saying. Sometimes I don't even like, I, I say something in session and I have clients that take notes and they're like writing it down. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what did I say? And they read it back to me. I'm and like, then you take out your notebook. I said that. <laughs> yeah, like, and then I write it down. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do the same. I have a whole nother awesome. of shit. Um, okay, awesome. So I'm actually done asking you questions. Thank you so much, both of you. I guess this is a question. Where can people follow you? <laughs> and um, yeah, where should people engage with you, follow you? You can follow me at Therapy for Women um, or my center. My private practice is Therapy for Women Center. And our, our uh, website is therapyforwomencenter.com. Uh, and you can follow me at your dog nonsense. Um, and my website is not, I need to figure not, it's at, it's my name, toddsbarrett.com. I should have, I need, I should have done that, but I didn't pick some kind of good name from my, whatever. Anyway, your dog nonsense. Follow me there. <laughs> and your meme account. Oh, it's the same. Oh yeah. Your DX, which is the abbreviation for diagnosis. It's very funny. I enjoy it a lot. <laughs> <laughs>